This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Eric Barnes and Jack Frew. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Laravel News Podcast. I'm Eric Barnes. And I'm Jack Frew. Thanks, everyone, for listening. So, Jack, uh, Laravel 5.3 is coming up very soon. Um, oh, man, it's it's such a good time in the Laravel world, right? We've got 5.3 yeah. coming. We've got Laracon coming. Yeah, all kinds of good stuff. Uh, it's great. Yeah, so so some of the let's go through some of the features on uh, what all is coming, what all has been announced so far. And the first one is uh, the ability to roll back just uh, one migration. Mm-hmm. Saw um, that. Yeah, so they added a new um, migrate colon rollback, and then you can pass in a step. And why why that's useful is like t- typically when you migrate, if it does a whole batch of you know say five or six migrations. Then, the, then if you roll back, it rolls back all five or six of them. So yep. th- this allows you to just go back, you know, individually. Right. And um, it's a great way, especially in development, you know, when you're working on stuff. Yeah, it's kind of thing that I think if you're like just getting started with Laravel, it wouldn't really make much of a difference to you. But boy, oh boy, I bet you if you had, you know, I don't know, does anybody have hundreds of tables? But I mean, you know, the more tables you have, the the more value this has, you know, down the road, right? Especially if your migration is maybe just adding a field or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So that one's really cool. And then I really like this next one here. The blade for each loops. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it adds a new loop variable. So you can do like loop first and loop last, you know, through inside your for each. And that way you can do, you know, special, special things within it. Yeah. So what what's your use case? Do you have one off the top of your head? Well, you know, I've always wanted something and I'm looking at this and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, what's missing is a loop between. Right. Like if you're trying to build a string that says like Eric and Jack, right? Like you want the and after the first one, but not after the last one. You know what I mean? So there's there's a there's a need for that. And I'm looking at this. I wonder if this would satisfy that or not. It might not. Uh, but at least if the loop variable is a counter, you can compare it against the you know the current iteration of the loop or the size of the loop and and do it that way without having to declare the variable first and all that. Right. Yeah. I was gonna say I think that's that blade might already have that, but I can't remember exactly what it what it's called. Um, that wouldn't surprise me because I'm always like, "Hey, Eric, I wish we had this," and you're like, "Oh yeah, you just do that. It's already there." Well, like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You have to uh, basically spend like a, a week reading all the documentation and then uh, put it. And into then you your find brain some obscure it, thing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but uh, yeah, I, I seem to remember something because. I think the common use case was like, say, like you have a, maybe you have a loop and every third column you want to add some HTML or something to break out the the visual display. Yeah. And I think there was something you could do, you know, included in Blade to do that. What else is in this new 5.3 release? I mean, it's, it just seems like all this stuff is all of a sudden dropping all at once, doesn't it? It's, uh, yeah. Well, that, that's the way it always, that's the way it seems like it always works for uh, Laravel. If, if you like follow, follow Taylor on Twitter, anytime like it's time for a release, he starts dropping all the hints and, and you kind of get all the new stuff. You know, what I want to know is like, is this stuff he's been working on for months and he's just like the best secret keeper in the world? Or like, is he just like so fast that, you know, he was worked on like valet and then he worked on something else. And now all of a sudden he's just cranking these things out, like takes him a day and he's done, you know, kind of thing. Like, Yeah, well, the, a lot of these, I think, were actually pull requests um, on 5.3. So I'm not sure exactly how many of these he actually built himself okay. versus the community built. But um, but yeah, so yeah, I'm not sure how how that works either. Unless he like leaves the pull request open until it's closer to time, and then he closes it and and, and announces it. 
you know, this is what's coming new. But uh, yeah, so the next one is eloquent collections or um, cleanly serialized and repulled by Q jobs. It's kind of a mouthful there. But um, say that three times fast. Yeah. Huh? J- so Jacob Bennett, he wrote a, a post on this on why it matters. And he, he had a really, really great example. And say like you're sending an email to, you know, somebody, you know, they subscribe to your email list and you're going to send them an email and and you run it through a queued job. Well, if for some reason they change their email before the queued job fires, then it's going to send it to the old email. Oh. So with with the new way, it if you pass the the full user object into it, then it'll repull it from the database, and that way it's always fresh. So you know if any changes have been made since the queue job was created, it'll be it'll be reflected in when it's actually called. Interesting. So I wonder if there's a way to go either way. Like I wonder if there's gonna be times when that would be a problem. Like, you know, um, like what, throw what something on the queue. You throw something on the queue, and you expect it to execute in the state it was thrown on, and then you wanted to go and update data or something anyway. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Well, I, but, I think with that, like you could just pass it in manually. Like yeah, that's instead true. of passing in like the whole user object, you would just pass in just the email address. So that way it, it yeah. can't pull anything new. Yeah, that makes sense. This is this is nice. That's a, that's a nice feature. Yeah, so that one, that one should come in handy because I'm, I'm sure that one's, you know, caused problems in the past where people didn't realize it would do that or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, so next up, man, there's a there's a bunch. We're like halfway through the list right now. Um, right. Is uh, Q console output uh, has been changed so it shows the actual class names. Um, and he he actually did a picture of it. I see the screenshot here. It's a, it's a it looks like someone there is using a different shell than I use. We might have to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, the oh my Z, Z, ZSH shell. Right. But uh, for for the Mac users, there's a project called oh my. ZSH that uh, you can install it easily. Yeah, I need um, to get some tips on that one when we're done yeah. talking about this uh, stuff. So, uh, Q console output changed to show actual class names, uh, and in the screenshot, since you're listening, it basically is just showing you know the the name of your class. It it almost kind of looks like the routing stuff. It's like in the example, it's app slash listener slash event listener at handle right. So handle must be the the function that's being run. Right. Yeah, um, and that way you can easily map it back because I think previously it was. It just said called Qt handle handler and it didn't output anything else. So you didn't really know what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. Next one on the list is ability to customize simple pagination. And what I didn't know, and maybe uh maybe Eric, you remember this. It says today in Laravel 5.3 development, this is Taylor's tweet that you, you put up there, it says bringing back simple pagination customization via views. Was that in there a while ago and it got pulled out? Yeah. I think if my memory's right, the early version four had had it set up as views like this, and then at some point it was moved over to whatever the current system is. So he's okay. he's bringing that back, which is really nice because it makes it so much easier to customize than than going into a you know a PHP class and and figuring it all out. So so yeah. I'm I'm really excited for this one because that'll that'll be nice. Eric, what I'm really excited about is this next thing. You want to tell us about the query builder changes? Yeah, so so the query builder will now um, return a collection instead of just returning an array. Um, so that way, now everything's uniform. You know, whether you're getting getting it from Eloquent or getting it from the query builder, you yeah. know, your, your database results, it'll all of it will be a collection now. That, so that that's yeah, I agree. That's pretty neat. You know, as a new Laravel user, you know, I've got that perspective going for me. I guess you know. If you're new to Laravel, so what happened is if you would use the ORM to retrieve data, 
you would get it back one way, but then there were there was this collection stuff that would have different functions and things available to it. And there were some times in which it was pretty easy to confuse the two. Like they seemed very similar, but they they weren't. So the fact that these are maybe more consistent now, I think is going to be a big help. The other thing is uh, if you're aware, a, a couple of weeks ago, Adam Wathen released a book on refactoring with collections. And uh, it seemed like the book did pretty well. And a lot of people are, I think, pretty excited about the idea of using the collection subsystem in Laravel as a as a maybe different way of coding uh, to to maybe avoid having loops and if then statements and things like that. There's some stuff built into the collection objects that will do some of those things for you, so that you so that your code doesn't have to be maybe quite as verbose and ugly and stuff like that. His book, I think, Eric, what do you think? I think his book is almost kind of like starting a little bit of a movement towards a different style of coding you yes. know well I, you know i was actually thinking about that last night there's a uh, guy named Derek silvers who um he he did a ted talk and it was like how to start a movement is he the cd baby guy yes yes okay have you have you seen that youtube video i have i love or that the guy. ted talk video yeah so anyway there's like this crazy person out there dancing by themselves at this concert and then and then he, you know he talks about it and he's like and then another one comes over and starts dancing and then before you know it like this whole crowd is dancing around yeah. uh, this crazy person and uh that's that's what i was thinking about the collections i've post- actually seen that video there's a video for yeah. that i don't know if you've yeah, it's, that it's the- great so so yeah so adam's book came out and now it's like on social media all i see is people refactoring things into uh, and all these these In the uh, collections. collections yeah ways. you know what i didn't understand when he first started talking about stuff because i was new to laravel I didn't realize that the collection subsystem, and when I say subsystem, I mean like the piece, the pieces of code that make the collection stuff work. I didn't realize that that was built into Laravel. So I thought what was happening when he was showing it on stage, like I thought that behind what he was showing us, there was all these other functions that he had to write to make those things happen. And what I didn't realize is that they were, there are functions that were written, but they were written by Taylor. You know, they're mm-hmm. part of the, they're part of the core, which really to me makes me much more comfortable with the idea of doing it. Cause when he was showing the collection, I was like, yeah, but now I got to write those functions and know what those things are doing. But if they're like system standard functions, like I don't like I don't know about you, but I don't I don't really worry about like going into the source code. I accept using Laravel as a black box. And, you know, if it does what it says it's supposed to do, I, I'm content on however it gets it done, you know. Right. So pretty cool stuff on, you know, for those of you who listen all the time, you might know I'm a I'm a Windows like SharePoint guy by day. And then, you know, like this stuff is kind of my hobby on the Windows side. They have something called PowerShell. And it's really interesting to me because collections remind me an awful lot of how PowerShell works. PowerShell's got a whole pipelining thing, and there are you know you you can you can get a whole bunch of data back. Like let's uh, a simple example would be you get all of the files from your directory back. And in PowerShell, what's cool is they're all objects. You can pipe those into like a where statement, which will filter out things, and that's kind of like the filter thing that you know that Adam you know shows. So it's it's a little bit familiar, and it's like it's weird because for for whatever reason, for me when I first saw it. The, the collection stuff that Adam had, I, there was like a little bit of, I don't want to say skepticism, but a little bit of like fear and uncertainty and like, I, I don't know if that's for me. And the more I'm kind of like getting exposed to it, the more I'm like, yeah, this, this is probably not a bad thing. It's probably pretty good. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's interesting. I'm sure there's some people that see it and instantly are like, yes, that's the way to go. You know, for me, it's like, it takes a longer, but um, really cool stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, that's kind of like me. I'm so used to, you know, for each and everything and then, and then processing it the old traditional ways, it, it takes me a minute to, to rethink and, and be like, yeah. Oh yeah, we, I could use a collection here. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. And then, and then on your other point, I actually believe in the early 
up until recently, like maybe like five one or five two, the collections class wasn't actually in the documentation. So that's why I think a lot of people kind of missed it. Oh, um, okay. They were sort of in the documentation off of uh, the eloquent eloquent section. Yeah. But, but then you know in the recent versions, it, it actually has its own documentation page. So it actually oh, sure. brought it brought it to light a lot better. You know what all yeah. it could do. Well, and that's true. Every once in a while, I'll have a question, and somebody will tell me to use something. And I'll be like, I don't see it in the docs. And they're like, ah, oh, it's in the API, but it's not in the docs. And you're like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that's interesting. What else is on there? You would think we'd be done with this list, but now there's still more. Yeah. So the next one is multiple migration paths. And what that does is, so like from if you have a, a package you create and it's, it needs to run migrations through the service provider, you can actually pass it the migration path to your package. And then that way you don't have to uh, move, move the uh, migrations over. Right. So you can run them directly directly yeah. through the through the package, I guess and, is the and, right term. And that's really more of a thing for package developers than anything because it's something that you would use in conjunction with packages. You wouldn't you wouldn't load your migrations that you're doing in your own project from somewhere else. You'd just leave those where they Yeah. Well, I don't know. Um I'm trying to think of use cases. I, I know like our um commercial product that we work on, it's it's old and we're we're or migrating it in oh. pieces over to Laravel. Yeah. So we don't true. really want to move all our migrations and all that stuff, but, but, uh, so they're in a kind of a different folder, but, you know, so this would be nice to, to tell it to, to migrate from this place instead of the other. Yeah. But, but it, it's, you know, use like everything useful in the certain situations it's useful for. Sure. And then the last one is Laravel Echo. And I, I suspect this is not the same as the Amazon Echo. So, uh, do you want to tell us what that one does? Um, yes, I was going to say it's it's not like uh, Echo or Siri, right? Or what's right, the, or, uh, what's Alexa? the Google? Yeah, Alexa? I don't know. What the, Alexa's one of them. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's designed to uh, for like a event broadcasting system, which works with Pusher or I think the demo was all all using Pusher JS. Okay. Um, basically, it's like for creating real time apps to where you can push out an event and then the JavaScript can read it in and make do whatever it needs to do. Um, so that's, that's with the Echo, it, it got a big improvement over what it, what it had previously. That's all we have for the new 5.3 stuff, but that's an awful lot for, you know, when you consider, I think it, we, we, we don't know the date yet, right? But we're thinking it's two weeks to a month away, give or take. Yeah, yeah it should be either this month or next month. Then. So some, awesome. sometime within the next four weeks, probably. Okay, awesome. What else have we got on the... Uh, Docket today. We uh, you want to talk about Freak's new package? Yeah. So so he created uh, a dashboard with uh, Laravel Vue.js Vue and Pusher, um, which is really sweet. So what he does is uh, in their office they have a TV screen, and this dashboard or status board is just always on the screen, and it shows like was it like six or eight panels? Yeah, it was and, pretty neat. And um, the way the way it looks to me uh, is like the panic status board. I don't know if you ever. Yeah, so panic panic's got for those of you listening who don't know. So panic makes an a editor on uh, the Mac called Coda. They've been a development shop forever, and they came up with a status board thing that plugs into an iPad, right? Mm-hmm. And it was pretty cool. But uh, go ahead, Derek. I I, th- you're, I know you're about to tell us how this thing connects, and I thought it was awesome. So let's hear it. Yes. Yeah. I was I was I was mentioning the panic one, but. The uh, so that's what it reminds me a lot of, and yeah, so all this hooks up. It was kind of crazy how how he did it all. So he uses Laravel and Vue, and then for the actual display, he has a Raspberry Pi. Yeah, and through uh, some kind of Wi-Fi USB thing, and 
and then it just automatically reloads through the pusher data. And I don't know, it's really sweet. <laughs> I don't, I, you know, I, I think I have a Raspberry Pi in the drawer that I've never even really like booted up and tried. But uh, Raspberry Pis, I'm sure everyone knows what they are, but just for the few that don't, it's a little tiny board. They run about 20 or 30 bucks. And like the newer versions of the boards have like HDMI connectors on them and like Ethernet and USB. And I think you can get Wi-Fi optionally on, on these things and what have you. And in the, uh, in the article, Freak has a picture of theirs. They actually have theirs in like a nice little case. But what really impressed me is that like when Panic did this, they did it with an iPad, right? You, that means you have to spend, you know, what does an iPad cost these days? A couple hundred bucks for an iPad mini maybe. You have to spend that much money and you have to leave that thing behind your TV and it has to be charged with one of those Apple cables that are, you know, the lightning cables, right? Um, this Raspberry Pi thing, I, I bet you it was 30 bucks total, maybe 40. You know what I mean? Like it was really cheap. And from what the article said is apparently there's some like basic Raspberry Pi operating system that, again, I'm not familiar with it. And it sounds like there's Chrome or Chromium or something on that operating system. So the article said it just basically boots up, loads Chrome, Chrome defaults to their website, and that's how the thing works. You know, yeah. um, it's pretty neat. I kind of want one, even though I have really no reason for a dashboard in my home. But <laughs> Right. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. I was like, that would be sweet to have in my office. But what do I really need it for? Because I'm just kind of sitting here all day. But um, yeah. But yeah, then, so, so I was going to say, go through his little panels. You know, he's got a calendar, all the tasks that are coming up due for each person on the team, the yeah. number of downloads his packages have through uh, Composer, um, the weather, and yeah. I think he had something that played the, uh, the current music that was playing over the speakers in the, yeah. in the place and things like that. Yeah, it, was, it looked pretty customizable. And it, I hate to say it, like one, you know, Eric, I was super impressed by the project. At the same time, it made me feel kind of small because I was like, man these people know so much more than I do, you know, <laughs> like it's like you start with Laravel and like you're trying to learn it and you realize that like the good people are getting better at a faster rate than you are, which means <laughs> that even like five years from now, like I won't be five years behind him. I'll be like 10 years behind him, you know, like that kind of thing. But it's a really cool project. And the link is uh, in the show notes as well as uh, you have an article about it on your uh, Laravel news site, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I covered yeah. it uh, yesterday. It, that's definitely like there. I think there are some of these things that we cover that are like, they kind of appeal to some people. I think that's something that if you're like a Laravel person uh, or if you have a need for a dashboard, that's like a must see just to check it out. Next up, do you want to talk about the Oh My ZSH or Oh My, like, I feel like that's like the ending of gosh, right? Like, oh my gosh, right? Like, this is, what does it do? Does it bring color coding to just the default like terminal in, in OS X? Um, it does all kinds of stuff. Um, it has all these helpers and like you can have Git helpers and Sublime Text helpers and I don't, it just has all kinds of stuff. But what? what I like about it is, so like when I'm in my, my directory of my Git, of a Git project, yeah. it'll show me like if I have uncommitted changes through little icons. I've seen um, the uh, screenshots of that. That's super cool. Yeah. And so I really like that part of it. And then you can customize it through the themes and uh, it's just kind of does, does pretty much everything. But, but I actually started using it um, because of the autocomplete, you know, the autocomplete to me seemed so much better than just a normal bash. So that's kind of where I originally found it and started using it, using okay. it. And uh, now it's just, I don't know. I'm so used to using that. I can't, can't use anything else. I'm, I'm going to have to try it. Now, uh, something came up for those of you listening, something came up and I pinged Eric and I was like, you're not gonna believe what I did. This is like the dumbest thing ever. And he was like, you know, I use, Oh my ZSH. So I, I wonder if this is something, does it color code? Like if you're in terminal and then you SSH to another machine, does it somehow visually distinguish that so you know when you're in the other machine? Like, would it help with that regard or no? 
Yeah. So, so once you SSH in, um, the, the typical shell, you know, locally, it has the little, the little icon on the left side. And then if I'm in a, a Git repository folder, then it'll say what branch I'm in and it'll have a little, um, you know, little green or red icon, depending on if I need to, uh, if I have unstaged changes. And then once I'm, once I SSH in to, to something else, all that goes away. So that way it's, it's actually a, a different view, um, or it has a different look to it, I guess is the right term. And it makes it easy to, to kind of go back and forth for me with that little visual distinction. Okay. Yeah. So, um, this is like really like so stupid, but what, what I did to, that I told Eric about is I was in uh, a vagrant, not well, I guess homestead box vagrant, same thing. I, I was in there through SSH on my Mac. And I'd done some stuff and, and somehow or another, I typed exit without really realizing that I had exited the SSH session. And then I was trying to do a shutdown because I wanted to reboot the the Vagrant box. And uh, it kept asking me for a password. And I'm like, what is the password for Homestead, right? Like, what's the Homestead password? And I like Googled it and didn't really come up with anything. And I asked, you know, Eric and he said, well, try this. That didn't work. And then like all of a sudden I looked, and I'm like, I'm trying to restart my Mac. I'm not trying to restart the SSH, you know, the, the session, the the box running that I'd gotten to from SSH. So that was, uh, that was my dumb thing. So, uh, yeah, it happens to, to, to us all. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's actually even true or if that's just something that you say like empathetically, like, oh, don't worry, Jack, it's okay. And then like yeah. everyone turns around and like, yeah, don't Jack. Yeah, but the other thing we had on the news this week is this new, um, auto embed email package from, I don't know how to say this guy's, you know, user ID, Morton, Morton, uh, I don't know if the last name is Mihus or me. I, I could probably mispronounce that a bunch of different ways. It's from Norway. So he posted on the Slack channel the other day that he had this new plugin. And what it does is it auto embeds images in your email. Uh, and I thought that was kind of neat. So if you have an image tag, you know, normally you have to deal with, you know, also adding the file. And this one apparently does this automatically. So kind of a neat little plugin. It looked like there was some interest for it uh, on yeah. Slack. I was I was taking a look at it and um since since I work on like a you know a help desk we we do a lot of a lot of uh, emails with attachments and and all that e- email handling. Yeah. This one it does uh what was the how does it encode them base 64 like base 64 or something like that. Yeah. And and st- so it does that instead of using what they call the CID and in an email the CID is actually like a string that maps to the attachment. Oh and, okay. And that way, it basically shows up in line, but it's still as an attachment. Yeah. Um, so, from what I'm what I've read, the base sixty four encoding is it works good, but like everything with email, um, it makes your email a whole lot bigger. And SendGrid sure. actually says that those are blocked completely in Outlook. So that. I don't know huh. how safe that is. Well, we'll have to we'll have to try it out. It's a brand new package. I think the, I think he just posted the first version of it. So I I think like anything, if there's a, if there's interest in it, I'm sure he'll spend some more time on it yeah. and you know improve it and what have you. Speaking of improvements and stuff, this we didn't have this in our notes, Eric, but I spent some time this weekend with that Spatty version three backup, mm-hmm. and and man, I'm just I'm in love. I'm in love <laughs> with that thing. If you're not familiar with it, Spatty v three is a open source backup package for Laravel. And what I like about it is just that they've covered all the things I feel like you and I would want to do. Like if you're a developer, like I'm, you know, Eric's a better developer than I am, but I can still dream big. Right. So like in my head, I can design anything. I just can't code it. Right. But like, what would you want to do? Well, you'd want to have notifications, right? Because my biggest fear is that I mess something up in my Laravel config and then like everything stops, including my backups. Right. He solved that problem, right? You can run an instance of his backup tool 
on another machine and have it monitor your backups from the first machine, right? Mm -hmm. So like that was pretty cool, right? It has a really great round robining system, which again, common sense, like what you'd want. Like, you know, for, for if we're doing daily backups, I want every day for, I don't know, let's just say a month, right? But I want like monthlies for like a year or two. And I want yearlies like, you know, like basically like once a year kind of thing. You know what I mean? And it has like all the logic built in to kind of handle that rotation. Like you don't have to set up separate jobs for your weeklies and your monthlies. It's just one job and it, it rotates all the stuff automatically. So mm. that was pretty cool. And then probably my favorite part of it is it uses the Laravel file system object, which is, I think, an extension of the fly system thing that uh, right. the PHP League has, which means that it's really easy to save it to Dropbox. And the best part about that for me is just that peace of mind I get, because when it goes into Dropbox, it gets replicated to like the laptop that I'm sitting here recording on right now, you know? So now I know that not only do I have a backup, but I have the backup. It's not like there's a backup on Amazon server or a backup on digital ocean or a backup somewhere else. Right. Like uh, I remember when um, there was that big denial of service attack and it was affecting uh, Linode. And I think it's neat to have those backups like on your person, so to speak, as opposed to in the cloud in case, you know, God knows what happens and you've got to, you've got to get to it. So, Really, really great package. Can't say enough about it. Yeah, yeah. That's that's that one's actually been really popular. It's uh, kind of one of the one of the more popular packages of the year. That with uh, the uh, debug bar. Kinda. You know, I've never used that debug bar. Oh, you got to use that. Yeah, you I need use to try it. that out. I need to try that yeah, out, especially for finding you know the queries and stuff that that have kind of got that you you haven't. Uh, I didn't forgot the word, but basically, you know, when you do your elephant oh no, I know what you mean. With yeah, the, with the width. It, it, you know, it doesn't it doesn't happen very often, but every once in a while I'm like, I really need to see what SQL is being executed. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I have to go like figure out how to do it every single time because it's not, you know, there's something you have to turn on first and then you can dump the variable that has it and stuff. But yeah, I'm, I'm, that, maybe that'll be my homework for the next show is to get that uh, debug bar turned on. Yeah, the thing I was going to, I did want to share because I like, I just, this one caught me by surprise. I don't know why I assume this. You know, I use Forge, like a lot of people, to provision the production servers that I use. And for whatever reason, I think I thought that when you built a server with Forge, that the cron job needed to kick off the artisan schedule command. Like, I think I just figured that that was automatic as part of the setup process. And it turned out it isn't. And it's not a big deal. It's easy to do. But my backups weren't running originally. And I was like, well, why aren't they running? You know, and then I found out there was no job there. But well, Which makes sense from a Forge standpoint, just because you can run anything you want on it. So, of course, it, yeah. it's not always going to be Laravel. Yeah. Yeah, it makes total sense. And then the next problem I had is I went into the, like, if you go to create a cron job, like the default is like right there for that forge, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the artisan command, right? So I did that. Well, then it turns out like, I don't remember what the actual path was, but like my path was slightly different. Like mine had the name of my project in it and and like the sample line, if you go to create a new job had like default or something where my where my project name was. So it was just kind of me like not paying attention and assuming that the defaults were, you know, I could just create the, you know, hit the button and it would all, it would all work. So easy stuff, but it's just, I figure it's a, it's a good heads up for somebody. If it saves someone 10 minutes, then it's, it's worthwhile. Right. Yeah. So, so you've been uh, working on your, uh, forge servers book. Yeah. It's up to like 47 or 49 pages now, which is kind of crazy. I mean, there are you know, PDF pages and a lot of them are, it's still not really complete, but a lot of contributions uh, and, and updates in the book, especially recently. Roy, I think it's Verips, sent in a uh, like a, a bonus chapter, if you will, 
on this thing called Webmin, which I wasn't familiar with. Have you seen Webmin before, Eric? Mm, no, I have not. So uh, if if you're, uh, let me just try and explain this to the audience uh, so that you guys know what Webmin is. Webmin is a Linux administration council. Have you used, uh, Eric, have you used that PHP My Admin before? Uh, yeah, well, way back in the day I did, yeah. Yeah. So uh, if I don't know how many people, I don't know if that's like a more common thing or not, but. I always remember it with like cPanel. Yeah. Well, Webmin, I think, is like an open source version of cPanel, right? Oh, okay. And, and, and the, so the bottom line is, what is Webmin? It is a web-based interface for managing your Unix server, right? Mm-hmm. So just like if, if you're familiar with PHP MyAdmin, that's a web-based interface for managing your MySQL server, right? Uh, this Webmin, you know, handles all of your logging and auto updates and like, you know, Nginx configuration and all of those kinds of things, right? So it, it actually looks pretty cool. And it's in there. I think we've got some more to add to it in terms of security and stuff like that. But one of the things that Roy mentioned and it, it was it was totally valid was he said that it's a great learning tool. If you're, if you're not familiar with Unix, uh, it's a great learning tool to use this GUI and it starts to teach you things because like, you know, if you, if you wanted to edit the file, for example, for like a log file, well, it tells you where that log file is, right? There's like a little text box that has it in there, right? So it's an easy way of kind of, you know, using it as a learning tool and, and Webmin's completely free and everything. So he's got a great chapter and he also did a video, uh, like a 20 minute video on YouTube. So I think if you're in like, if you're in this space, it's definitely worth checking out to see if there's anything in there that's a, a value. And then there's just lots of other little updates in the book since probably the last time we talked about it. So it's actually, it's getting there. I, I think I set it to like 10% complete on, uh, on LeanPub and it's probably, I don't know if it really is 10% or if it's 50 or whatever. I've still got more work to do, but uh, it's coming along pretty nicely. And I find that like, I like, I couldn't remember, like, how do you shut down a server? So like, I, you know, I pulled open the book and there's a section on how to restart everything. It's like sudo shut down dash R now. Okay, great. Well, now I know how to do it. You know? Um, so that's coming along good. And, uh, book is still free. You're welcome to donate if you want to, but no need to. And, uh, you know, if you think this free book would help you, it's called working with forge servers. It's over on leanpub.com. What I usually do is just go to leanpub.com and then type in forge for your search term. It's the only forge book out there right now. So it's easy to find, uh, or you can go to it directly at leanpub.com slash Working with Forge servers, all put together after the slash. Working with Forge servers. So, so are you using GitHub to write it, or are you using like the Dropbox integration with LeanPub? I'm using GitHub for okay. the for the thing, and then it actually still uses Dropbox in the sense that, like, when I when I do a uh, a push to GitHub, like within a few minutes, I notice in my little status bar that Dropbox has new files in it, and it's pushed like the PDF and the EPUB and and all that stuff down to me. Gotcha. So. And what, what app? What what app are you writing it in? The Markdown. Um, I'm actually I hate to, I'm using PHP Storm for the Markdown. Oh, interesting. So the 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 text files are in PHP Storm, and then um, you know GitHub for posting it up, and then you know LeanPub is the company I'm using to do the publishing, and the they have the you know the tools that do the conversion from you know Markdown to to the different formats and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I always just find it interesting to find out what tools people use to, to write with and, and things like that. Cause I know some people like they'll even use Vim to write their, you know, their books in and then other people use sublime text. And I've, and, I've kind of tinkered around with a bunch of them. I have Byword, which I've used for yeah. um, Markdown. I really like that one. Um, I bought Scrivener or Screenover or whatever, like that. That's like a book writing thing. I right. never really kind of that one never really. St- but it doesn't really do Markdown, right? I mean, it's more like a, a visual. I don't think it does. Yeah, it, GUI or something. Yeah, I, I it it might have some Markdown, but like I don't know, just something about the format of it. Like I, I, I maybe it was just too complicated, and I didn't spend enough time getting into it. 
Yeah, I, I was going to say, I've been using I, IA Writer and then uh, Ulysses. Um, yeah, I've heard of Ulysses a long time ago. I think that one, isn't it, it's kind of expensive, isn't it? Like 20 or 30 bucks or something. Yeah, like I think so. But it's it's more, I don't know how to describe it. It's more like a an IDE, I guess, yeah. like for markdown files and for stuff. Because you can, you know, it has the, the shortcuts like Sublime Text where you can like command P to search for files and things like that. But, I, I remember that one turned up in a search a while ago. And it's, you know, I guess there's only so many of these things you can end up like collecting before you're like all right you kind of settle on one of them yeah exactly i have like 15 markdown editors in my uh yeah in my applications folder yeah um so the only other thing i thought we maybe would start starting with this episode is like a tip of the day or although i guess we don't do it every day but you get the idea tip of the tip of the episode or whatever one of the things that i uh, and i put in it's in the working with uh ford servers book too is steps to enable you know when you do cd to change directory by default, like in OSX, it's this way, and it's this way in uh, like Homestead as well as the you know the servers Forge provisions. By default, it's case sensitive, which is a real pain if you're just trying to like navigate around and you don't really know you know the case of what you're doing. So it's really easy to turn that off. And the way you do that is you add a line called set space completion dash ignore dash case and then space on, and you put that in a file called dot input rc, which is in your home directory. And when you do that. Then from that point forward, you can start doing CD and you can type in, you know, the first letter of uh, a word and hit tab and it'll autocomplete. And uh, it's, it's it's pretty nice. Maybe it won't even be necessary if you're using that, you know, oh my ZSH, because that probably has something similar to it. But as far as raw terminal goes, seems like a pretty nice little, uh, nice little tip. Yeah, yeah. I, that always annoys me when I'm, I'm trying to to do the autocomplete and it's it's always uh, the case, a case problem. And I'm like, oh, man, what is that? You know what is it? What is it named? And then I have to you know ls or ll, and then and then go back and, and cd again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, well, I think that's all we have for this episode. I thought maybe we would also talk about some of our plans for the next few episodes as well. As you probably are aware, Laricon US is coming up in a little over. What is it? Maybe seven weeks, six weeks. It's like the end of uh, July, right? Yeah, twenty fifth, I think. So as we get closer to Lyricon, we will definitely have an episode where we talk about our experiences at Lyricon, things to do, that kind of stuff. That'll be coming up down the road, maybe not next episode, maybe the one after that. The other thing that we'll continue coverage on is Laravel 5.3 as we find more information out about that. And the, you know, the expectation is that that'll probably, probably end up getting released you know, before Lyricon. So uh, depending on when that comes out, I would imagine that we'd try to try to have some more focus on that and, you know, get some people's opinions and that kind of thing. So some things to look forward to. Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. Well, that's all we have for this week. Thanks everybody for listening. And uh, I'm Jack Frew, Eric Barnes, Eric, you know, we haven't talked in a while. What, what's your, what's your Twitter handle again? Eric L Barnes. L is in lightning. <laughs> lightning. That's right. <laughs> that, I forgot about that. Like I, if you listen to all these episodes, like maybe five or 10 episodes back, there was this thing where like, nobody actually knows what Eric's middle name is. So like, We've hypothesized that the L stands for Laravel. We've hypothesized that it stands for Lightning. Like nobody really knows what it is, you know. And mine is at Jack Fru, J A C K F R U H. Uh, and then lastly, plead that we always ask if you uh, if you happen to like the show and you can leave a nice review on iTunes. I think it just helps other people see, uh, you know, see that the show is good and you know maybe incense them to take a listen. So uh, that'd be awesome if you could do that. And of course, if you don't like the show, then send us an email and tell us what we can improve. Sounds good. 
Have a great week. This concludes this episode of the Laravel News Podcast. If you like the show, please rate it five stars on iTunes. If you have feedback for the podcast, please email us at podcast at laravel-news.com. Thanks for listening.